You could have the best idea in the world, but if you don't have funding or if you don't have money, the idea can go nowhere. You need to be a hopelessly optimistic individual to successfully invest in the space. And then all of a sudden, it's a huge breakthrough and uh, it's almost like a tidal wave of development. You are listening to Invisible Forces, an original podcast from Jeffries. I'm Shannon Murphy. Throughout this season, we're exploring some of the amazing medical breakthroughs that have changed lives and continue to change what's possible in the world of medicine. All of this progress stems from investment of time, of money, and of research and ingenuity. In this episode, we're looking at the common thread that links all of these incredible stories we'll be hearing over the coming season, that alchemy that brings about these life-saving innovations in healthcare. When we started on this season, we knew we'd be exploring stories from all different kinds of medical fields, vaccines, gene editing, neurology, or personalized cancer treatment. But we were really struck by the qualities that all of these stories share. Time and again, we heard about scientists who toiled for years before they were able to find funding for their work. It got us thinking about all of the lives that have been saved and improved right now, because of work that was started decades ago. Even more mind-blowing, what work's being done now that could change someone's life in 10 years? Let's hear now from the innovators and the investors on why these stories of success need everyone to play their part. We're living in a moment where healthcare breakthroughs have never been so much in the public eye. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, The nuances of different types of vaccines and approval protocols and comorbidities, they're all top of mind. But it wasn't always so. For example, this season we dig into the remarkable story of Catalin Carrico. Her mRNA research went ignored for years. And can you imagine where we'd be if she hadn't stuck with it? But significant investment was eventually made in mRNA technology, and that ultimately led to the vaccines that could help lead us out of this pandemic. No matter what field of medicine, researchers are always aware of how much further they can go with support than they can on their own. It's something that Rashida Sumbria tells every one of her students at the Chapman University School of Pharmacy. You can have this fantastic idea and have this dream of you know, doing all the great things that we all want to do as scientists, but without any manpower, without any resources or supplies or capital funding, you really cannot execute that idea. So it really pretty much stops there. Niha Zaidi couldn't agree more. I think it's really important because there are a lot of sort of higher risk projects. And when I mean higher risk, I mean, you know, things that are really out of the box that will really move the needle. Niha Zaidi is a medical oncologist at the Johns Hopkins Sidney Kimmel Comprehensive Cancer Center. She'll also play a major role in an upcoming episode. You know, I think sometimes the traditional funding sources may not be prioritizing those types of projects that kind of develop some of these higher risk, you know, innovations and technologies. And so I think those types of funding that will particularly help people who are looking to fund their higher risk projects that, you know, are sort of out of the box 
but may have a real impact to change the way that we do things or change the way that we look at things or develop new technologies, I think are really important. So the key ingredient in any groundbreaking medical innovation can really be the investor, but not just any investor. As my colleague Will Sevish says, I mean, you have to be hopelessly optimistic and, you know, be willing to be seen as a little bit crazy to invest in something that has, you know, between a zero and 5% probability of success. Will is the healthcare desk strategist here at Jefferies. That means he's been watching the ins and outs of pharma and biotech investing as a full-time job for years. He's seen it go from a field that mostly interested specialists like him to one we're all reading about in our Facebook feeds. And now everyone's an epidemiologist with a Peloton that knows how to, how to FaceTime with their doctor. A lot of the advancements that accelerated our use of telemedicine and to share breakthroughs in research even faster were spurred on by the pandemic. I spoke to Will about why, despite living in a global pandemic, that hopeless optimism is more powerful than ever. We're living in a time of truly remarkable innovation in medicine and healthcare. I think some of it's funding related. You know, in 2010, rewind 11 years ago, uh, you know, if I look at VC pipe IPO and secondary funding, right, just cash strictly into biotechs in 2010, there was 20 billion that got injected into the space, 13 and a half billion in 2011, 16 billion in 2012. So you're in that, you know, call it 10 to 20 billion range. You fast forward to 2017, you know, you doubled, right? You were at 40 billion in funding, 2018, 60 billion, 2019, 50 billion, 2020, obviously a, a monster bellwether of a year, 87 billion. And this year we're, we're on pace to, to basically match that. I think that's, that's pretty powerful. That's something that's, that's changed, um, that has accelerated some, some of the ability of these companies to innovate. And then some of these platforms, you know, it's, it's powerful what they're exploring, right? I'm not discounting um, what mRNA uh, has done or might be able to do. Uh, the fact that it was there, somewhat of a miracle. And, you know, what these platforms can do, you know, it's not boundless. They're still limited again by biology. But at the same time, these platforms, you already have safety testing. They've already gone into humans. They've already gone through all sorts of dosing, PK optimization, that kind of thing. And so their ability to move forward with science very, very quickly is there. And again, part of that is really due to the funding side of the equation. And to your point about us being so lucky in one sense that mRNA was around and able to be deployed in this manner at this time, how common is something like that where there's been a therapeutic or a breakthrough that hasn't been identified as a breakthrough and then the drug is either repurposed or redeployed, and it's found to work in a different area. I would say it happens. It doesn't happen that often where there's an off-the-shelf science, the way there was with the vaccines, that is so broadly useful in such a mass market that all of a sudden a company like BioNTech or Moderna you know, has billions and billions of dollars of cash on the balance sheet when you see it historically, there's some instances of it, like, you know, Rogaine comes to mind where I think it was a blood pressure drug that, you know, we ended up finding out helped people keep hair on their heads. And so now it's used in a mass market indication. It's gone generic. So it happens. I just don't think it's that common. We'll hear a bit later about why that could become more common. 
that an existing drug or therapy can suddenly be found to have a completely different use. But first, I had one last question for Will. What do you think are the things that we're going to take for granted that are cures? And at least for my generation, I think of the transition from HIV AIDS being a deadly disease to a chronic disease. And the entire concept of that it still blows my mind in 2021. So is there anything that you're pretty optimistic about that in 15 or 20 years we're just going to take for granted is cured or a chronic disease or has been a major breakthrough? That's a great question. So when I look at the last 10 years thinking past HIV, which was certainly a breakthrough and you know formed the, the bedrock foundation for Gilead to become... 120 billion EV company today. The big breakthroughs that I think a lot of investors are looking for are along the lines of Vertex adding 10 years to patients' lives in cystic fibrosis, Gilead via an acquisition curing hepatitis C. Um, like you said, we tend to look for curative therapies, right? Biotech investors want first-in-class, best-in-class curative therapies. Those are kind of the three things everyone's looking for. Will isn't my only optimistic colleague. I also spoke to Mike Yee, a managing director and senior biotech analyst at Jefferies, and he pinpoints one major inflection point over the last 30 years as the source of a lot of potential in a number of different areas. I think that first and foremost, the Human Genome Project in uh, early 2000s was a huge breakthrough from the simple idea that we were able to get the alphabet, <laughs> I'd like to say, uh, or the words on the page of the genetic code that underlies the human body. But what I think is most exciting and most critical is those words on a page and the code that underlies our genetic makeup is starting to become much more well understood as to what those words mean and what those genes actually do for disease. And now that we have a better understanding of the words and what they do and the genes and what they mean, I'm very excited about how gene therapy, gene editing, engineered cell therapies are going to be very possibly a huge breakthrough into solving many of the most uh, devastating diseases by actually editing, correcting, replacing those genes or those cells in your body to treat disease or to cure disease. And I think a lot of that's going to be playing out over the next 10 years. It's a really elegant way to talk about it in terms of words on a page. And one of the threads that we're kind of exploring this season is this idea that in science, maybe a little less so than other sectors and healthcare in particular, there is less of a, of a real concept of absolute failure. And a lot of times therapeutics or molecules or um, other solutions and breakthroughs aren't failures, but just haven't had their time come yet. And we've seen this with mRNA's moment happening in 2020. Are there other examples of this that you think of or have come across in your career? Well, I wanted to answer that in two ways. One is I do think that what is so remarkable about the example you use with mRNA is just that 
the pandemic really supercharged and accelerated what was going to happen over, frankly, five or 10 years into literally a year. And the ability to prove that technology works and uh, obviously is a, a huge breakthrough all happened with the resources, capital, and urgency that was required of the pandemic. I think that another related example, but maybe extrapolated to other areas in the future, were drugs on the shelf that were initially studied for a type of disease or a related disease, and ultimately was found to work for a more specific population or for a, a tertiary area. And what I think is interesting about that is there are some companies that are attempting to scour the literature and scour the scientific publications, but really to look at drugs that have some data, but maybe were studied in the wrong population of patients, or maybe were studied in the wrong disease. But when you took a closer look at the data and were able to either compile, pool, build enough information with uh, the experience might lead to areas where that drug may be much more promising based on what was able to be, uh, you know, I'd say analyzed through the data, either through AI or machine learning. And, uh, and there are probably examples of lung cancer drugs or other types of drugs that were just studied in the wrong type of cancer or wrong type of patient population. And so I think there's companies that are looking at that. Um, but ultimately, I think what is more interesting is that there are probably going to be drugs that are found using machine learning and AI to uh, better help us understand where that drug might work, even though the natural human biology or the natural human insight didn't think that was plausible. And I think there's some uh, people looking at that. And I think that's what the great promises of machine learning and AI is, is that it uh, lets the computer and the analysis do the work irrespective of, of what our information tells us. And that's really interesting. It's amazing to think about what might lie ahead in the next five to 10 years around machine learning and AI. And if we take a step back and look into the past and think about the Human Genome Project, where would we be without that investment? What if there had been no kind of investment in something as big and as much of magnitude as the Human Genome Project? Well, I think that what is remarkable about the coordinated effort of the Human Genome Project is similar to what was a coordinated effort, of course, during the pandemic, which was significant government resources, private industry, public industry, putting their efforts together and uh, obviously uh, proving <laughs> that uh, we are better as one. Collaboration is at the heart of that alchemy we're exploring in the stories we tell throughout this season. The coming together of investors and innovators, all fueled by that hopeless optimism. But optimism requires patience and baby steps. No matter how much investment or how great the need for new medical solutions, real breakthroughs take time and a lot of hard work. Oncologist Niha Zaidi says that's true of her field, as it is across the board in medical and pharmaceutical research. Even though, you know, a lot of 
the research projects or the research questions are sort of making an incremental advance. These incremental advances lead to real revolutions. And we've seen this with immunotherapy, which has been studied for decades now, but really came to fruition in 2011, where we really started to see the clinical benefit. And immunotherapy faced a lot of challenges and a lot of resistance. But, you know, it was each kind of smaller incremental finding that led to such a revolution. So I'd say that that is kind of important for investors to keep in mind that there's a bigger picture and it takes time and it takes innovation and it takes a lot of funding to make those sorts of big breakthroughs happen. And when they do happen, they're really, really impactful. The idea of small steps that lead to bigger revolutions is one that pharmacy professor Rashida Sumbria can relate to. And she says it's important to realize not every step along the way is going to look like a step forward. And I tell my lab there is no result is a failed result. It just may not be what we expected it to be, but every result is a result. And it's like a piece of a puzzle. Right? Research is like a big puzzle that we're trying to solve. And with every piece of funding that you get, your hope is to kind of put in that piece in that puzzle. Uh, so that's what funding allows you to do. Basically, trying to complete that big puzzle, which is probably not possible in your lifetime. But your hope is that you do something significant to fill that gap in that puzzle, and your funding really allows you to do that. Whether it's a negative result or a positive result, it's still a piece of that puzzle. So where does this leave us now? As more and more pieces of the puzzle start to fit together, where could the hopeless optimism of medical innovation take us in the next few decades? Mike Yee is extremely optimistic about the ongoing impacts of the big innovations in the last few decades. I think with the combination of where the understanding uh, of genetic cause of diseases, as well as technological advancement of some of these uh, platforms, I think that combination of all that will lead us to some serious cures over the next decade. Now, I'll leave you with the fact that imagine if we do have a great advancements in artificial intelligence and machine learning so that the power of computing and the power of data will be able to turbocharge where we're going. I think that's possible. I will say we're early in some of those areas. I think we're very early, but uh, certainly optimistic about where the next 10 and 20 and 30 years are going. I'm Shannon Murphy. Thanks for listening to Invisible Forces. This season, we're focusing on incredible stories about medical innovation, from mRNA to Alzheimer's to the at-home hospital to the most cutting-edge gene therapy and cancer treatments. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. See you in two weeks. This podcast may not be distributed or reproduced. The podcast is not research, a recommendation, or an offer to buy or sell. It is provided for information only. Views constitute best judgment as of the published date and may change without notice. The data used is not independently verified. No representation is made as to accuracy, including as to future events or reasonableness of assumptions. Views are those of the individuals identified. Jeffries and its agents are not liable for damage from the podcast. Jeffries is not providing advice as to legal, tax, accounting, or other matters. Additional disclaimers are on jeffries.com.